You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast that explores the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. You can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at TheBatmanBC. You can also email for questions or comments, concerns, suggestions, or anything Batman at all at TheBatmanBC at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Lauer spelled like lower. This, on this episode, as you can see in the title, we are going to court to face a tough jury with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's cherished Batman story, The Court of Owls. Now, I can't do it alone because that's just boring. So my partner in crime this time around from the Everything is Awesome podcast, it's Kevin Gallagher. Well, hello, Kevin. Well, Ryan, thanks you for having me on the show. I'm super excited. Uh, just before this, I, I like forgot that I didn't tell my fiance that I was going to be doing a podcast about Batman. I was like, oh, because she asked me to do something. I was like, oh, uh, sorry, I'm about to go talk about Batman for an hour. She's like, you're you're going to go talk. OK, OK, we, we're, <laughs> we're two very different people when it comes to <laughs> the things we enjoy. I feel us us nerds are very fortunate in that we have very understanding loved ones. Because my fiance is the same thing where I was working and then I kind of like, okay, I got to step away from work for a second because I got to go podcast and talk about some Batman. She's like, okay, you know, have a good time. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, what's great about this doing this is that it's only like a step adjacent to what I do on my podcast because usually everything is awesome at some point talks about Batman. So like it's right. I feel right at home. Mm hmm. I was going to say, go ahead and for those who don't, who are unaware of every, everything is awesome. Tell us about that. Well, it's probably a lot of people, uh, but uh, everything is awesome is a long form conversational slash interview show uh, that that I started back in 2016. Um, and uh, it's it's right there. It's like a poor man's Mark Marin's, uh, you know, WTF or whatever. Um, and uh, we actually this is a great time to kind of like get back into the show if you've been a longtime listener that you dropped off because we kind of i took like my 20 what was last year 2019 my 2019 was a very bad year and and for for me mentally so i kind of took the year off from podcasting um so we kind of just like relaunched within the last like month uh so everything is awesome while we're still counting those episodes uh, we're in episode 160 ish um we're like officially kind of rebooted the the podcast so now's a perfect time to hop in um we're we're talking to new people we're we're putting putting some live shows up that we did in 2019 um and it's a good time it's just a if you like finding interesting people from typically the podcasting slash pop culture world um that's who we talk to we talk to a lot of tabletop people we talk to comedians writers um basically anyone that's willing to sit down and talk to me you're on the show (laughs) yeah and i think that is how i dipped into the podcasting world because if i 
remember correctly, you were the first podcast that I was ever on, and that was way back in November of 2017 yeah. to talk about Justice League. Yes. Oh, so was that that was the because I think you were on two episodes, yep. um, and was that the first one you did? Was was the roundtable? That was the first, yeah, the roundtable, which, which I forget what I mentioned in something, and I thought, hey, I can be so clever. This is like last year or the year before, and I said the Dark Knights of the Roundtable, and you're like, dude, that's what we call the Justice League episode. And I was like, oh, my God, I swear I didn't steal it, Kevin. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and that's also what we call our panels when we uh, <laughs> when we go to Wizard World or uh, Philadelphia Comic Con and stuff. We we It's like Dark Knights of the Roundtable, colon, 10 years of the MCU, or colon, how to fix the DCU, or whatever uh, whatever silly panel we're doing. Um, I, I still use that name. Uh, and let me tell you, that episode that you were on was, it was a fun episode to sit down and record with everybody because it was just like a cool group of people that I really admire um, for one reason or another that we all talked about Justice League. Uh, but the post-production on that, I think it took like an extra week to do because we had, I think it was me, you, and three or four other people. So it was a huge cast yeah it was big it was big and i didn't and, know anybody except you <laughs> yeah and 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 editing that was was thank god zencaster gives you all those separate tracks however uh-huh. however the none of the everyone was just like oh, i think one person was like on their phone another person was like like everyone was doing like on wireless except for me so like it was a really hard edit because a lot of the audio didn't sync up and even i would have to say that if you listen to that there's probably a portion of it where it doesn't make sense what someone is saying to somebody else, because I'm sure I got something wrong between five <laughs> tracks. I remember distinctly that I was using my earbuds that have the mic in them. And cause you and I had done like a quality check before that even. And you'd said, yeah, I can hear you just fine and, and stuff. And then I think you're just being really polite because then I heard it and I'm like, Ooh, I hate how I sound. And then you kind of guided me to getting the podcast mic that I'm using today. Ta-da. What are you using so, out, of, out of to bore our audience or your audience? I guess everybody wants to know exactly make and model. I am using the snowball blue. <sighs> That's a good which I okay good because you told me to get it. So that'd be yeah. that'd be really weird. Ryan, that one sucks. No, because <laughs> no, 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 I mean for the a beginner, which is what I'd even asked you of a beginner's uh, one because I at that point in getting one. I did. I had no ambitions of starting my own or anything like that. And that you said that's the one if that's what you want. And so far, it has served me well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's I actually have one sitting next to me right now. I have one in my shed uh, as well. I, I have two of them. Um, I just I eventually. Oh God, this is you know what? Let's save that for everything is awesome. That's more <laughs> of an everything is awesome thing. That's the cliffhanger, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for- go to everything is awesome to hear us talk about. Uh, podcast mics more yeah let's this is a batman podcast i feel like we're going way <laughs> off topic okay well i guess we can kind of uh veer our way back to the the topic at hand but first i want to ask you kevin gallagher what is your favorite batman story and it's i've been thinking about this since you told me to think about this and <laughs> I, it's i want to give you two answers if that's okay you can give me two answers. Um, and the cheap answer is, is uh, a, the one that we're going to be talking about today. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's my cheap answer. Um, I, I do really adore 
um, the, the court of Owls storyline and has um, in the, the 11 issue story, it has a single issue that is my all time favorite issue of any comic book ever published in the, however long I've been reading comic books. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's great. Um, this one is, I think a more interesting story uh, answer because it's not necessarily a Batman storyline, but I really like, batman's story in this uh book and that's red sun um the red sun story is actually probably like my second like second favorite comic book i've ever read it was one of the first ones i've read um long long time ago uh like probably well not that long ago i i wasn't a big comic book reader when i was a kid i I started reading in my early 20s uh and one of my friends said you gotta read this it's like superman landing in russia instead of america and i really dug the version of batman that's in red sun um because he he doesn't change all that much he's still kind of just a vigilante um it's just different means and and different enemies that he's he's battling so i think as outside of the Scott Snyder run that we're going to talk about today, um, that that very specific uh, Red Sun version of of Batman, I, I enjoy a lot. That's a that's a good that's a good choice. Did you did you see the Superman Red Sun animated movie yet? I have not because uh, again, I, I, I now with the DC Universe app, I'm a firm believer that. Well, if it's a DC thing, I should automatically get it, and I don't. So, mm-hmm. so I haven't gone out and bought, and bought it yet. Um, I'm I'm probably going too soon because I just reread the comic book, and I was like, oh my god, I need to watch this movie. So, uh, I'll probably be watching. Have you watched it? Is it good? I think it's good. I don't remember. I think I've read Superman Red Sun twice, and I don't remember the book very well, so I don't know uh page to screen comparisons how much is exactly the same what's different and whatnot but i did kind of how you just described batman's story in that i really dug him in the movie of he kind of hasn't changed a whole lot and his whole approach of towards superman kind of it just feels like it fits in with dark knight returns or the approach in batman vs superman the movie actually of his mindset and stuff and how he views Superman. I feel like it's very apparent in uh, red sun. And I think it also, it makes a lot of sense too. Like I understand his point of view and where he comes from in the movie, which I think is probably pretty close to how at least his version. Um, so yeah, that's a good, I that's good. And going to, to like, and I, I not knowing the movie in the, the comic book version of red sun, like I, it is to me it, while yes the title character like at some point you you do start rooting for him he is in my eyes the bad guy like it is the comic book where at least i as i'm reading it i'm like oh i'm team luther and i'm team batman like they i'm not team russia um and and to a smaller degree like superman never really is full on team russia until like mm-hmm. maybe two thirds of the way through the book and then maybe halfway through the book and, and then and then there's you know you go go read red sun guys it's a, it's <laughs> it's it's a top 10 book easy like i you know if you like superman you're gonna love that i think i think it's just such a unique take on on the dc universe in general uh but especially on on superman uh it's such a unique uh take and then the the batman story 
Um, I, and it might be just the character design that, that I really like uh, as well, like the 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 Russian look with the like the winter cap that he has. I really like. I think that's what really draws me to that Batman character as well. Is it's just the look of him is just it's it's Batman, but it's also a very unique looking Batman that I don't think we've we've seen before. You mentioned his his hat. Actually, the Funko Pop series did a Batman from Superman Red Sun version, and I snagged that up right away. And I have it up at my desk at work. Uh, and any if first viewings from people look at it and be like, "Ew, is that his brain?" And I'm like, "No, it's not no. his brain." What makes you think that it looks? And I look it up on Amazon. I look at it, like hold it, and I look at it. I'm like, "It must just be me because I don't think it looks like a brain at all." But what do I know? No, I don't think so either. And I don't have it. I uh one of my, my local uh like Funko store, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all they sell is like Funko. Is um they I they posted something during, you know, everything that's going on. They're still doing curb pickup. And uh they posted like their newest shipment and I saw I it they had like thirty five in this one picture. And my eyes went right to Red Sun Batman. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> god, if I if I oh, if I wasn't trying to be conservative with my money right now, I would so buy that. <laughs> yeah uh i've had some bad spending during this i saw a lot but... of batman deliveries mm-hmm. over the last week or so on your twitter <laughs> uh, it's bad it's bad oh well what are we gonna do so anyway so when i i think a lot of people that future guests to this show will envy you and not be so pleased with you because they will want to choose Batman the Court of Owls as their story to cover when come, appearing on this show. And sorry, future people. Yeah. Too late. So I reached out to you and said, hey, would you like to be on? Uh, and you said, absolutely. And I said, well, pick a book, whichever one you want. And maybe I hit return and already had a reply that said the Court of Owls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and I I I basically sent out a mass text to everybody that has been on episodes that have been released up to this point, everybody almost at the same time. And then was kind of just crossing my fingers that nobody was overlapping or that not everybody chose the exact same book or something. And somehow everyone chose something different. So you were part of uh, early on the early crew to snag this up right away. And I think well done kevin well and and the reason i really wanted to talk about this one is is in part to to one of the issues um i just i, I like i said i can't get over how issue five i'm just gonna i'm gonna stop alluding mm-hmm. to it Is, issue five is is one of the most genius pieces of of comic book work i've ever seen um and and i don't know if the credit goes to to snyder or to capullo or both of them um but but it's just it's i'm it's it's so beautiful and that's one of the reasons i wanted to talk about the court of owls just just for that issue alone but also like i'm i am a big batman fan however it wasn't until uh this this run the new 52 run that i ever read a batman comic book uh prior to what what was this 2011 um is when the new 52 started yes uh so prior to that um the comic books i read were primarily marvel or like image um Mm -hmm. and 
at that point I was probably only reading comics for maybe five or six years. Um, and when I was a kid, you know, I did what most kids do like, Oh, I, I like whatever's on the spinner rack. Um, and like, it was like Simpsons and some, some Marvel stuff, but DC was never on my radar as a kid. Um, I liked their, their cartoon properties as a kid. Um, the animated series, obviously with what, what, you know, we're talking about Batman and all the Saturday morning cartoons that were DC related over the years. And, um, and obviously their movies like Batman 89 and, and even some of the less than stellar ones in the, in the late nineties, uh, or mid nineties or whatever. Um, but my Batman comic book reading didn't start until Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Um, and, and so the quarter owls like will always hold a special place in my heart because it was my first comic book Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it is, uh, we were saying, uh, you know, before we started recording, I, I maybe read about half the run before I just, I just ran out of my, I think I was unemployed by the time, uh no maybe not maybe my timeline's here oh no you know what it was i had a kid at some point oh. during this run uh and i had to stop spending like it was bad like I, once a week i go to the comic book store and drop 35 dollars uh which might not be a lot to some people but you know uh 20 10 years ago that was a lot of money you know to be spending on comic books for me uh so so i did stop um halfway through their run but uh, yeah, this this particular Court of Owls, I think, is just a great story. It was such a unique Batman story, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to beat this horse tonight, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> issue five is uh, I can't get over how well done that book is. It's, it's, in my opinion, the best published book you'll ever read. So you're saying issue five is the weakest Link in the armor. <laughs> no, is that what you're is, getting? At? It is the strongest. Oh, the opposite of that. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, we will. We'll definitely zip through everything to get to that issue, and then just be done because that's where we'll peak in our discussion. Sorry, I was, I was just, I, I, I was reading something that you sent me, and uh, I apologize ahead of time if I dropped that uh, dropped that word already. No, you're good. Um. um no, you no, you didn't. Okay, good, good. Uh, yeah, so no, I don't know. <laughs> so, so uh, I, you know, you guide me, Ryan. Guide me on this Batman book club journey. Okay. Where do we well, go? Let's let's start with the. Th- there's been let's see. The book was originally released, I believe, in September of 2011. With everything that September of 2011 was New 52 month, a relaunch to renumber everything so, to for DC to try and bring in new readers because it is much less intimidating to see Batman number one and say, yeah, sure. I'll pick it up and read it rather than Batman 694. Cause yeah. you're like, wait, I've got to read 693 issues to understand what's going on. Man, I'm good. So it was their big relaunch to start over, start fresh. And they pulled in this, this, uh, highly regarded writer, Scott Snyder, who had written at, for Dick Grayson under the cowl in detective comics for his highly regarded tale, the black mirror, which I covered in episode six was Chris Balga on the Batman book club. You should check it out. It's really good. And it was, I think feel like just an instant success. And I'd only heard of Snyder through at that point, he had a 
I can't, I can't remember if it's Vertigo, but he'd written for American Vampire, a horror series, a horror history series, which is uh, like awesome, just awesome. And so I was actually pretty excited of to see like what could he do with Batman. And so he really run me over with that story. And I thought he did an, an awesome job with Dick Grayson under the cowl. And so then I was also really excited. Well, he hasn't tackled Bruce Wayne yet. Hmm, I wonder what that would be like. So he is attached to this. I hadn't seen Greg Capullo's art in anything, only to learn much later on in life that he actually drew the the art for Korn's album, Freak on a Leash. What? Uh-huh. That makes and, sense. That makes sense. Like I'm just picturing Capullo on Twitter and just his look and and that's that's uh, his that's rock. Capullo- he loves rock music. That's just it made total sense. Yeah, like you just said. Uh, so aside from the specific issues, the the run itself was highly regarded. It's been reprinted in hardcovers and uh, digitally, and it's available in an absolute edition. the The story of Court of Owls is on DC Universe. Uh, I have the hardcovers of the books, but then I also, uh, towards the back half of last year, bought the absolute edition, which is what I read out of to in preparation for this episode. So which, which version did you read? I was reading through DC universe. Um, yes, my, sir. My, uh, my, my printed editions. I have the, the first print editions of these books in my, uh, my long boxes that are packed away somewhere. Uh, I actually have, and, and okay, I, you're going to get sick of the number five. I have two copies of issue number five. That's how much I liked it. I bought a second copy uh, well because it, it, it was just phenomenal. And I, and it, it is the fact the the amount that I love this, like I really should go and buy that absolute edition because I really love the Scott Snyder run and, and, uh, and I mean, Capullo's artwork's great. So to, to, it's, it's, that's the, ne- the big negative to reading it digitally is that, and, and of course I did, I could have done it on a bigger screen. I did it on my phone. Um, is that it's smaller, obviously. And I don't know. I just, I like the, the, the textile feel of a comic book. Like I still love that feeling. Um, and you lose that through the digital uh, space. Yeah. But um, DC Universe does a great like the the panel to panel thing, um, which for the most part you you still see everything you need to see. Uh, but yeah, I did read it uh, issue for issue, um, one through eleven digitally on the DC Universe app. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have that app, go or you know streaming service, whatever you want to call it, go get it. It's well worth the money. It's so worth the money. It's so worth it. So to so. Br- building up to this story, it was, and then to hear it was uh, kicking off a court of owls. And I think if you're starting off something, if you're kicking off, so he's kicking off the Batman line, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are, you'd think, Oh, of course, Batman, you got to take on a, a regular rogue, a familiar face. So Joker is almost an obvious pull or grab Catwoman or Riddler or penguin, you know, one of those four, that everybody just knows. And so I think it was even more bold for them to them, whether it's both uh, Snyder and Capullo, or maybe this was just Snyder's story uh, that he came up with on his own and got the ball rolling. Just very bold to, Oh, I'm creating a villain and not just like one villain, but like a secret society. 
and it like it was it's just I, I just keep saying bold I, I just thought it was very bold I'm like huh because nerds are very judgmental yes and they're quick to jump to conclusions they're the some of the hardest critics so to not go with familiar is mm, and that was kind of like I wasn't like oh it's he better he better win me over here. I was confident because I'd read American Vampire and the Black Mirror, and I was sold on Scott Snyder. So, right. do you remember? Like, did you read this as it was coming out? Yeah, I did. I I, I was. This was the New Fifty Two. Um, they they DC did their job correctly with me. There, they that's. If this was Batman number six hundred, I probably wouldn't have picked it up. If if his first issue of Court of Owls number one was was actually Batman six hundred, I don't know that I would have picked it up. Um, I I I shouldn't fall for those tricks, but I did. Um, <laughs> but only with Batman. Like I didn't really read any of the other. I don't think I read any of the other New Fifty Two stuff. I, I only read this Batman run. Um, and. For what I remember, and and I could be completely wrong, but I remember other people telling me that like, well, yeah, like they they are reboot, like it's a reboot of the universe, but they've kind of like with with Batman, they've let Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo kind of just not necessarily like the other stuff happened, but it you know it maybe it didn't like they have a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room to kind of do what they want, and, and I remember that going into this book, and I thought that was intriguing that that. You know, reading this first issue uh, that's supposed to kind of be like, okay, this is a jumping on point, a brand new like continuity almost, um, which which I guess the new 52 is right. Like that is a, a different continuity than pre 52 and rebirth. Mm-hmm. So um, but it, it never it it doesn't feel like it um, even rereading it now in 2020, it, it doesn't feel like um, it's separate from anything else that's ever happened in, in, in the issues that I've read since. Um, and um, reading it as it came out, first of all, it was like, I'm an impatient person. So like, I, <laughs> I, I, and, and trust me in the years since it's released, that hasn't improved because things just <laughs> release all at once now. Uh, so um, it was really hard to, to wait to, to reach to the next, these next issues. Um, but I, I, I've never been the guy that like, I mean, I love the Joker. So obviously I'm down for a good Joker story, but I've never been the guy when it comes to comics or something that I want to see the familiar. Like I, I want to see something new and creative and that's, you know, as you said, you, you know, it was, it was bold. It was a bold choice to, to move away from something as familiar as the Joker. You would think that, okay, we're going to reboot the the dc universe and and in our bat family we're going to to reboot that section of the universe as well obviously the whole thing's getting rebooted so let's just go big bang batman versus joker something like that that's that's the obvious pull um and i'm really glad that they didn't do that because um the this the court of owls a being something new that you've never seen before is just refreshing It's, it's it's refreshing for Longtime fans of comic books, you know, as someone who didn't read the Batman comics prior to this, it was just refreshing because like, oh, yeah, like I know like you're your, the rogues gallery from the, the animated series or from the movies to a lesser extent. Um, so I like I know like the the popular one, like give me this. And it was it, it was it was just a. 
it interesting, bold. It, it it was something that I don't think um you you ever saw before. Uh to to that that extent, I don't know Scott, Scott Snyder, and this was my first experience with Scott Snyder was and Greg Capullo was this Batman run, and um it it was I'm trying to think of another word besides bold and interesting, um it was it was fantastic. I mean, it was just it it, it subverted what you were expecting. I think when it comes to a Batman book, um and and to do that with I mean, we're talking 2011, uh, you know, to do that with, with comic book audiences that were, were trained to know what, what comic books are about, um, at Mm -hmm. that point, it's impressive. It's impressive to, 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 and, and I believe like out of the new 52 stuff, like this Batman run, very specifically Scott Snyder's run here was like the shining star of, of the new 52 from what I can remember. I think you are correct. I think there were definitely some some successes through New 52. I think the Justice League book, where I think Jeff Johns wrote all of it, I think that one was, for the most part, uh, highly regarded as well. But I do think that the, the star of New 52 was this Batman title. Um, and I like how you said it with the Joker, because they didn't wait too long, because this this story wrapped up... And then there was a couple. There was oh, like one or two. One there was a, one one off, yeah. and then it was into death of the family. Right, right, right. With the Joker, right. so they they didn't waste time, and I got really jacked for that. But that's another. Right. That's an episode way down the way. <laughs> uh, but to to kick off Court of Owls, it's like Snyder knew what we were thinking because he wasted no time at all, and on page two is a massive two-page spread of a bunch of familiar villains. So he and Greg Capullo bring in a ton of villains, and I want to start there just for the sense of, like, I'm, I have my absolute edition right here and open and just looking and like, oh, there's Freeze, Clayface, oh, Flamingo. So there's something from Grant Morrison's run, a villain that was introduced in that like in that run, pre-New 52. They brought him in here. Oh, Professor Pig. He was also from Morrison's run. Interesting. Oh, but there's Scarecrow. There's Two Face, Killer Croc. Um, there's a Riddler and a really unique take and like yeah. this this really cool just fight in Arkham Asylum, which culminates in Batman and Joker both fighting villains together and they're in sync, and it's very like strange. And I think, hot damn. What a way to kick off like this, this new run with this creative team. It's almost like they, you trusted them from the beginning because I just think these sequences are, these pages are just, are just pretty damn cool. Well, and, and what I, what I really love about um, like the, the stuff with, with the Joker here is, is um, that it gives you like this, this newer, fresher kind of, wilder take on, on what the character looks like um mm-hmm. like he, he he looks violent and and that's something that i really like that capullo did throughout um this series is is that there is a lot of like man like look at like look i i don't know why i'm, I'm focusing on this probably because he he did it with um 
the the Batman who laughs too, but like the teeth on these characters sometimes are so like it, it it just draws you in. Like the Joker looks like a violent monster here, and there's times that you see Batman. Um, I think in, it's actually in issue five, where like he he looks like he doesn't look like a a man, and I and you know he he you see like these when he's like getting his his comeback phase to to steal from wrestling. Um, he, he's, uh, he's got like this, this wicked kind of toothy fangy smile and it's, it's real wild. And, and it's something that I've noticed that Capullo does at least in, in these, <clears throat> this first few issues of, of Batman here, um, for the court of vows. And, and also like later on, like years later in DC metal, um, with some of the characters there too. So it's, 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 a, again, it's, it's, and very specifically, you mentioned like him and the Joker fighting side by side while we learn later in a few pages why that happens. It is like within what five pages uh, within seven pa- on page seven, uh, you're seeing the Joker and Batman fight side by side. And that's really kind of doing the whole, you know, oh, my God, what, they, they are flipping what we know about Batman and the Joker uh, right away. Um, yeah. And so much so that, like, as I was rereading, it, I was like. I can't believe this is happening right now. Like I completely forgot like the, the hook there. Yeah. In, I mean, spoiler warning, we're going to spoil the hell out of this whole book, which I expect everybody's read this. That's listening. And you're like, I, I I just throw that out there. So actually I'll like a a side note. So uh, the producer of this show, Eric Holzman, sometimes we split editing duties and he was editing an episode one of the episodes released and he hadn't read the book yet. And so then he listened to it and he's like, well, I was going to read it. And I'm like, well, you know, what? it's that's on you. <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> Court of Owls started in 2011, wrapped in 2012. Here we are in 2020. So right, right. anyways, and so if he hears this, that'll be fun too. Um, so like spoiler on it, Joker is actually in something that comes into play in Scott Snyder stories, even like recent ones is Joker was actually Dick Grayson wearing a mask that is, uh, I don't know, can basically form into anybody's face. And there's in the absolute edition, there's a, uh, there's an explanation of Snyder's scripts to Coppola. And he explains to him about it's the Joker and, uh, it's the Joker, but really readers will learn later that this is actually Dick Grayson. And he explains in length, I'm trying to find the page that something like this is using, it's a mask made of meta materials, artificial composites that can be made to interact with electromagnetic waves already. I'm lost in ways that natural materials cannot reproduce, these metamaterials actually exist. They're the scientific foundation of the Duke University invisibility cloak that was in the news a few years prior to them reading this. So it's something that I I think I'd been a little I've been a little critical of in some of Snyder's uh, writings is he does get to me a little ex, like ex, start explain, and there's some long word bubbles of fully scientifically explaining some things. And I'm not that smart with science, my weakest subject. So I get a little lost in that language sometimes. So that's on me, not on him. But to to read that, that like, damn, 
this guy is smart. He's incorporating some real stuff that like into the story where that just seems like, Oh, that's total comic book. And it's like, it's also a little closer to reality than you realize. <laughs> yeah. And, and to, I do agree, like touching on what you said about Snyder. I do think that he gets a little wordy, um, but I feel like that at least looking at this run, that it, 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 he he doesn't do it here. I don't think in, in in any of these eleven issues. I don't really ever feel like it's too wordy and and trying to like Mm-mm. just fill up the page with words. I definitely recognize that uh, in some of the metal issues. Um, there was a lot that there was a lot of that. Um, but in these first eleven issues of, of the, his Batman run, um, I think there was a very nice like balance of of action and and words and dialogue and art um and it's to me like and and again there's a lot more scott snyder and a lot more greg pulo i haven't read and looked at than there is that i have read and looked at but these first 11 issues i think is is near perfect to me in my opinion um and and i think that like the when we get to issue five, like that will explain why I think that in, in, in just that single issue. I know I'm getting, I'm taking us a while to get to your issue five talk, but Oh, we're going to get there. We're inching closer to that, that part of the conversation, my friend. I, so it's just in setup here. So we've got a badass Batman fighting rogues. We've got a smart Batman with some new tech and he's with Dick Grayson. Then he comes upstairs and he's with all of the former and current or the former and current Robins of with Dick and Tim and Damien. Uh, He's at another, which is the usual for Batman story. Some big event where he's speaking of, but we meet a character named Lincoln March who is, who just seems like, what do you want to say? He is the white knight, if you will. Of uh, He is the Harvey Dent from the dark knight of like, man, this guy, he is just, he's a good, he's going to, he's running for mayor. He is going to be a solution for, you know, the, the, what Gotham is. And he's going to help the city. Batman finds an ally. He's pretty sold on meeting him. I got in this rereading more of a hush vibe like the story of oh, Hush yeah. than I'd yeah. ever had before, which later on we can go through with that. And then we get, and then this is where Snyder drops the mystery of a murder, plants a few seeds of, you know, some, a few seeds of, Hmm, what is this? What's this mystery? Who killed this person with, with the big DNA match at the end of, at the crime scene of Dick Grayson. And that's your, the end of your first issue. So, while I'm taking my time getting into, I'm not going to get into every single issue and this kind of like length, but I feel like this first issue was very important to the starts of new 52 Batman. And I think they just nailed, nailed it. I have no criticisms at all about this first issue. Like you kind of get, you get a freaking Batman story in this one issue. You know, you get what you want and what you need. You see who you want and you get a nice little, a tease for what's coming and some anticipation for hurry up next month. Give me Dick Grayson did not kill him. No way. Did he? Right. And and what I, what is nice about this first issue is even though this is like kicking off the, the new 52 Batman, also the quarter Owl storyline, it is, 
and I, there is probably little uh, visual cues, maybe even some some dialogue or, or uh, word bubbles somewhere that <clears throat> gives some hints to the Court of Owls. It, this is actually has nothing, very little to do. I mean, in your face, you don't know the Court of Owls are a thing uh, mm-hmm. at, by the end of this issue. And it's really kind of almost it, it, it feels like a standard issue for for batman to be honest going kind of like walking back the line what we said earlier about how um where he he they they did not have your classic rogues which they didn't technically but they also really didn't have the new villains either like it was it was all set up but in such a way where it didn't feel like set up it was just it was very well paced um and and it was like a standard in a very good way, a standard Batman, um, like procedural almost that, that, uh, sets us up for the, the next few issues where, where we're going to really get rocking into the, the arcs title sake, um, yep. with, with the court of owls and, and whatnot. Yeah. So like to just, in a sense, summarize issues two, three, and four, it's, Bruce hears about the Court of Owls, this long folktale and this, I mean, I've got to say it, and the old rhyme of beware the Court of Owls that watches all the time, ruling Gotham from a shadowed perch behind granite and lime. They watch you at your hearth, hearth, they watch you in your bed, speak not a whispered word of them, or they'll send a talon for your head. So, of course, rhymes, little nursery rhyme, oh, cool, and it's creepy, whoa, But he hears this. He remembers this from childhood and hearing this before. And then he keeps hearing about the Court of Owls. He doesn't believe it. Hears about him again. Doesn't believe it. Somebody dressed in all sorts of gear attacks him. And no, he, the, he shows up and nobody knows how he got in. There, there's no explanation for it. That leads to him investigating and finding what he wasn't believing there are have been secret hideouts for a court of owls scattered throughout Gotham for a long time. So now what he thought was this myth uh, is now becoming a reality. And this thing, this city, he doesn't know it as well as he thinks he does. Culminating and Snyder plays really well with creepiness and horror in in these pages of really building up toward this this mystery it's it's batman's almost my favorite when he's dealt in shadows and it is kind of eerie you know and he's got a villain that is in the shadows watching him for once i think it just it really the story's just building it's escalating just in these couple of issues so i feel like issue one is kind of i can separate issue one and then book two, three, and four together too. One is just like an int- uh, getting getting your feet wet. Two, three, and four is really ramping it up into that mystery, you know. Yeah, and 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 issue like it seems like in two, three, and four, it's 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 it is building it up, and and it still seems like at that point, Bruce Batman that he he basically. Like he's just got a mystery to solve, and he's he's going to do what he can uh, to, to figure it out. And he's not going to. He, he doesn't feel like he he doesn't feel it as the reader. You don't feel it like that. He's outgunned here. Um, 
and and it feels like like not again not in a bad way it feels like oh yeah batman's gonna figure this out he's and it's gonna win like they're Mm -hmm. setting you up for like what feels like a standard batman arc here and 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 i don't know about previous you know to the, the new 52 um from what i can remember of 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 the of rebirth and and the the next volume after this uh of scott Snyder's run here you know these long 11 issue arcs like it is frequent if I remember correctly with, with the Scott Snyder run here where you're getting, you know, this and death in the family is like a very long arc, but in a good way, uh, that's not the normal, like a lot of comic books are usually you're getting two to three, maybe if you're lucky, a five issue arc. Um, but, but we're getting a very meaty and I love, like, I want a long meaty story, uh, in my comic books, because I just love continuity, and and when you go, you lose a lot of that when you're going from quick arcs. I think, um, so uh, that's all saying that two through two through four is is like just that nice build up until you get to this like the midpoint, the climax of of the next few issues here, um, where where you actually start to wonder if Batman's gonna make it. Yeah. So Batman is overconfident the first four issues. He is he he has the mindset of uh Bruce in The Dark Knight Rises of I'll just fight harder. I'll just get it and the end of issue 4 is just like in Dark Knight Rises when Batman faces Bane for the first time of oh shit. And then Kevin Galger, take us away. Issue number five, Face the Court, part two. Tell me about this, one of the greatest Batman issues of all time. Because you are not alone in that thinking. I think this issue definitely is one that's always referenced when talking about the Court of Owls story. Always. It it is. And and truth be told, it is an issue that if you can get your hands on on a paper copy... um, I would have to imagine it's probably fun to read even in, in the absolute edition, but I think the best way to read it has got to be in the singular edition just because, you know, it's easier to hold a single issue. And, and there's, and I say that because there is a lot of holding and picking up and turning and twisting your comic to read this. I mm-hmm. remember me uh, at the time of me reading the, this run of um, Batman, I think we were actually. I think I did this little little uh, podcast called Academic Nerds, where me and a buddy we would sit around and talk about random stuff. And once a month, we would talk about the latest Batman issue. And we were both reading it, and I I, I sent a text to my buddy. I was like, I I thought for a second that they misprinted issue five here, <laughs> and <Yep. laughs> uh, it is. And unfortunately, it's if you're going to read this digitally through the DC Universe app or Comixology or, or whatever your digital preference is, make sure you have the, the screen rotate on your phone locked because you're going to lose the ability to like really effectively read this book. But once, mm-hmm. you know, we, we you get about what, let's say halfway through, I'm digging through now. Uh, once you get about, yeah, halfway through the book, uh the pages start flipping on you to the side. And then suddenly a few more, a few pages later, they're upside down. And, you know, 
Is it the first time it's happened in a comic book? Probably not. I'm sure that tactic has been used at some point in some comic in 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 some publisher. I don't know, but uh, maybe or maybe it is the first time it's been done. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it is such a great, effective way of telling a story about a man trapped in a labyrinth, slowly losing his mind. Um, and as you're getting further in the comic book, you know, things are getting a little bit more crazier in what you're seeing. Like you're almost, you're, you're not necessarily seeing these panels and these pages as the eye of a reader and viewer. You're actually kind of seeing it as like Batman's third eye almost. And Mm -hmm. you're in Batman's head and, and using his third eye to see the world literally getting flipped upside down and to see himself getting transformed into an owl and, and to see when he has that comeback moment, um, you know, probably about two thirds or a little bit more uh, through the issue where, where he suddenly is like this very big figure um and and not like as detailed as you normally see greg capullo draw batman it's a very Mm -hmm. kind of basic drawing of him with with those like fangy type teeth and he just looks very monstrous all of a sudden and it is it is an issue that puts you inside the the main character's head who who's going through i mean he's been in this labyrinth for i believe they said eight days he was missing yeah Um, so like he's been in this labyrinth for eight days. So, you know, if all you have is that fountain water that he's only drinking from uh, a little bit just to, uh, to get the, the amount of water he needs to sustain himself, you know, he's, he's going mad and you're feeling, this is the issue that makes you feel the emotions that Batman is going through. Um, and and just the the the, pay, the the fact that you have to spin the comic book to read it is something that was so wild to me back in 2012 or, or early 2012, late 2011, whenever this issue came out um, originally. And still to this day in 2020 is still such a, like a great concept of a way to invoke emotion and to pull the reader into the story that it, it's a unique thing that I don't think I I don't I can say for sure in comic books I never saw before and me personally I have yet to see since. So as you were saying about Capolo's art the the attention to detail of Bruce's uh cracked lip area like that really stuck out to me and it's the smallest thing but I I will pat myself on the back. I am so proud of me when it's the smallest things that I get kind of hung up on and there. And it's like, Oh, that's the attention to detail because he's been down there for so long. He's dehydrated. He, there is no water. So his skin is, it's cracking because it's so dry. Build on that by, Oh, here's the water. Like here's water. I need water takes a drink and knowing I shouldn't be drinking this. And then no, he shouldn't have been drinking that because it has a bad effect on him. But you kind of summed up everything with it of it's such the issue is all about it's, it's all internal for him and his about his mind. And so why would you not make it a little disorienting and make yourself have to go, Oh, suddenly turn your book a little to the side because there's these long pages like that, which that didn't throw me off because I just thought, Oh, this is a, this is a big spread, you know, like this, this big images that layout's cool. And, and then I got to the upside down 
And that's when I was like, wait, damn it. (laughs) Damn it. They screwed up my, they screwed up my thing. And I was just too lazy to think of like, they screwed this up, but I'm not going to go back there. I'm not going to go back and try to get a, get a new one, whatever. I'm fine. And then come to realize, give it some time. It's like, no, that was deliberate. Everybody's just like that. Oh, okay. Huh? Well, that's effective. That's neat. (laughs) And and I think something else that's really neat about, and I think it's actually this issue in particular, but I will pull back a little bit and say, at least this run is that, whether intentional or not, the this team Snyder and Capullo, because I, what, however they worked on this creatively, I'm not again, I'm not sure, but I know for the stuff later on, it was a very collaborative. Like even though one's credited as the writer, one's credited as the illustrator, they both kind of wrote like their metal story and some of the some of their newer stuff. They really do kind of work collaboratively on. Um, I really love the fact that like. There is stuff in this in this story, um, the Court of Vows, and, and I, I do believe very specifically the the fountain scene of him drinking from the water um, that affects stories that happen well beyond the New Fifty Two uh, and happen in the you know five years ago, three years ago, something like that in in the DC Metal. I really love that going back to the attention to detail, like the seeds that they planted here again, intentionally or not, they planted seeds here for a story that they were going to try to tell 10 years later, something like that. Eight years later. I'm not there. I'm not in Scott Snyder's brain. I can't answer for him. Right. 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 I feel like he's just, he builds on the work that he's done and it's in a way that totally makes sense. So the way that you can totally believe this has been the plan all along, is only a strength too. He's like, no, actually, I've just we came up with this cool story called Metal, and we thought, what if we connect this from the Court of Owls and this from uh, Death of the Family, and this and this, and all incorporate that and relate that in Metal, and it's seamless. So it does totally make sense. Like I'd said, with I don't remember, I don't remember what story it is, but that mask that Dick wore at the very beginning of the that dick wore at the very beginning of the story it popped up in one of the one of snyder's books semi recently i don't remember which one but it's like oh i doubt that that was the plan all along but this he's like i've got that in my back pocket i we created that yeah let's use it here because it works and it's all totally relative if you've been reading his stuff things connect so and that's just the mark of a good storyteller period yeah, and I and I think he is uh, Scott Snyder is I, I in to this day since this run my first introduction to Batman comic books really, uh, and and eight years later nine years later Scott Snyder is hands down my my favorite comic book author and Greg Pulo is my favorite illustrator really I mean there's other people that I like but hands down t- as a team at, separately they're my favorite creatives in comic books right now. They're I I feel like DC has given them the keys to just hey do whenever you guys have a story you want to tell you got it and I mean why not it obviously their stuff resonates with people and they are I think they are a great team which it's funny to read uh, I think it was Kevin Smith's podcast had he had them both on they went into detail 
about it a bit that at the beginning they struggled working with each other. Actually, they had different ways of different ways of yeah. working. And I'm not going to try and repeat because I don't exactly remember. It's just they didn't they weren't working well together. And then they found some some way of communicating, broke that barrier, and they've just been like, and you Snyder is awesome on Twitter to fans, uh, to comic book readers and everything. And you can just see the way he talks about Capolo and vice versa that like, man, these guys just love working together and each Batman story ends up being their last Batman story. And then here comes another one. And it's like, I just don't, I don't think that's going to go away that partnership because they're just, they're just good. They're so in sync with each other. Yeah. I, I, uh, I adore everything that they do together and, and it's always on my radar when like, Oh yeah, they're going to be working together. I, and it, while I really enjoy the first four issues of this run, it, it all stems to this issue to issue five is what ultimately sold me on the court of owls on, on Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo like this. I, again, I, I, can't think it if this is not the ish best issue ever published of a comic book it's the best issue of a comic book published in 2012 2011 whenever it came out like that year it's it's the best of that year if not of all time in my opinion i i can't think off the top of my head a single comic book issue that was released in 2012 that i distinctly remember <laughs> Right. Like, so I'm going to go ahead and say you are correct, Kevin. Right. Yeah. It's, Everybody it's just, agrees with you. DC's even marked it. Yeah, I, they should. And I, I will. Uh, they can have me on as an official like quote. Like I want <laughs> I want to be that guy for their comic books. Like, give me the single official greatest comic issue of 2012. So it had to be. So September is one. October, November, December. Yeah, this should have been January. Because it was monthly, so it should have been January 2012. You got it. You nailed it. That's so the, the, the that, this issue came out the month and year my son was born. Mm-hmm. So it's special. Yeah, so it's special. For I think you didn't call too. you didn't call him Owl. Oh, Owl no. Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see in the show's title, this is part one of our discussion covering the Court of Owls story. Part two will wrap things up next week, and I will let everybody know on Twitter when that episode is going to drop. So make sure you follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at the Batman BC. You can also write in to ask questions, give comments, reviews, or recommendations on anything Batman related at all at the Batman BC at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Flower spelled like lower. So for Kevin, I am Ryan, and we will conclude the Court of Owls next week in part two of our discussion.